0: Greater things are yet to be done in this city. For those of you who joined us last weekend, it was an awesome weekend. And uh, we hope to grow that by God's grace in the years to come. And it's something that uh, I think what Lori Lee said, it's not a one-time thing, it's, it's, a, it's an attitude. It's a, it's a mindset that we gather as individuals, that we serve as individuals, and that we have the ability and the opportunity to pool our resources and to serve corporately. It's good to be with you this morning, and um, I'm going to talk a little bit about uh, this morning about how we can extend uh, what we did last week in terms of hospitality. Now, I know a lot of you know a lot about me. Some of you guys who go to men's fraternity every week and you hear me tell my stories, you know more about me than you probably should know. But one thing you may not know about me is I spent the first 19 years of my life being born and raised in New England. That's right, I'm a New England boy. In fact, to be exact, I grew up in Milford, Connecticut. Now, Milford is about 60 miles northeast of New York City along the Long Island Sound. And it's there that I grew up And It's uh, uh, Milford was established in 1639. I mean, you talk about old, that's old. It was there before the colonies. In fact, one of the neat things about growing up in that area is that the Goodsell family, you know, not too many of you have probably heard the name Goodsell. That's my, my last name. But out there, it was kind of a prominent name. So the Goodsell family had a role in the establishing of the colony before, during, and after the American Revolution. I had a uh, an ancestor who graduated from Yale University in the year, get this, 1725, 1725. And of course, what what did they study back then at Yale? Divinity. So he, he went to be a pastor there in Connecticut for 50 years. And then he had a son who served, uh, Lewis, who served as a, an officer in Washington's Revolutionary Army. So that's, that's my background, and that's part of my heritage, and I'm very grateful for that. And there's something very reassuring about knowing where you came from, feeling at home, feeling that you have a place, isn't it? Isn't it just nice to know that you can feel at home someplace? Well, that changed uh, several years uh, later when I went off to college. Now, I know a lot of people in here figured out what college they were going to go to and made a campus visit, right? I mean, we do that with our kids now. I've done it with three kids. You go visit the school so they can get a feel for it. Well, I had never visited the school, this school that was way, way out west. And yet I knew I wanted to get away and go to, go to college. And first of all, it was the only college that accepted me. Uh, <laughs> Of which I'm very grateful. Uh, by the way, I did graduate, just in case you're and, and the other thing is, I had the opportunity to play football. So I was, I was a small guy, you know. I, I wish I weighed then what I weigh now and, uh, you know, could maintain the speed and everything. But I went out there and I went way, way west to the great state of Minnesota. Yeah, way out west. Well, from Connecticut, it is, it is way out west. You know, and I'd really never been much outside of New England, New York, New Jersey, some of those areas, but I really had never come that far west. And I can remember going out to Minnesota, and I remember being on our team bus, and it was our first road game, and we were going to play a team in South Dakota. Now, I thought Minnesota was flat and was barren. There was (laughs) nothing there until I got to South Dakota. Not to offend any of you from who grew up in South Dakota. But I was amazed to see the wide open spaces. And where there wasn't corn, there were pigs. And where there wasn't pigs, there were soybeans. You know, I, just, I just was amazed at the wide open spaces here in the, the great Midwest. And I can remember our buddies going, you know, we'd go by a town. Well, I didn't know we had gone by a town. But off in the distance, like you see in this picture, my buddy would say, oh, my parents grew up in that such and such town. I said, well, how can you tell? He'd say, well, you see the grain elevator there? and a church steeple, and there's probably a few bars there. That's a town. I said, I didn't know that, because where I grew up, one town just kind of goes into another, blends into another, and you never know exactly what town that you're in out east. And so I was just amazed at that. Well, about that time, um, what was typically the case was, um, because I was so far out west and, you know, all that kind of thing, I got home once a year. I got home once a year for Christmas, and that, w- that was fine, I was, I was fine. But um, if it weren't for the fact that I had a teammate whose parents would invite me to their place on off weekends, it would have been a very, very long four years in college. And I could remember every time there was a break or there was a weekend that we were free, particularly after football season, I and mean, even during football season, they would come down to the college, and they would take me out as part of their family. And I can remember them teaching me uh, just some things I hadn't been aware of before. How to jump from a sauna into a frozen lake. I had never done that before. They were Norwegian, you know, Norwegian background. Uh, how, to, how to go deer hunting. You know, I, when they told me they were going to put me up in a tree, you know, and wait, stay there and wait, don't move, you know, wait for the deer to come, I thought, they don't like me. <laughs> you know, I thought, I thought, they're just trying to get, me, get rid of me and get me out of the way. I had never done any of that. And yet, every time I went, they made me feel like family. They made me feel comfortable. They made me feel at home. It's really what the Bible talks about. It's called hospitality. And so that's what we're going to talk about this week. In the past few weeks, we've gone through talking about generous living. And, of course, that first week, Pastor Mark talked to us about sharing our time, talents, and gifts. Then we talked about sharing our treasures and then last week was mercy and compassion. And this week we're talking about sharing hospitality, which really, when you think about it, is a bit of an extension about sharing mercy and compassion. And it's something that we can do year-round with those around us. Well, what exactly is hospitality? Well, the Greek definition, it comes from the Greek word, and let's see if I can pronounce this right, Philozenia, which means the love or kindness to strangers. Philoxenia. But also the dictionary definition calls it a cordial reception, kindness, and welcoming guests or strangers. Now notice on on each of these definitions that it's not necessarily, and in fact it's not really about people that you know that you show hospitality to. And yet we tend to think of showing hospitality to those people that we know. Or the other thing we tend to do is we tend to uh, talk about hospitality as if it were entertaining people. And that's come into our vocabulary. And that's really not the basis of what it means to be hospitable. So what's Bob's definition? Here's my definition. Inviting others to feel at home. It's inviting others to feel at home. Well, the Bible has a lot to say about it. In fact, in the book of Hebrews, we're warned not to forget hospitality because we're told that in doing so, we may entertain angels unaware. In First Peter, we're told to offer it without complaining or grumbling. And then Romans were told to share it and to practice it. And then in 1 Timothy, it's noted as a characteristic of a Christian leader, is to be hospitable. Kind of interesting, but you know, so much of what we hear from Scripture and so much of life, it's easier said than done, isn't it? It's easier said than done. So what I'd like to do is, uh, is look at a couple of, Who offered it, who shared it, who practiced it without grumbling it, without grumbling, and they took initiative in it. And uh, there's not a whole lot that we know about them, but because they practiced this thing called hospitality of entertaining strangers, we get to know from Scripture their names. And so with that, I'd like for you to turn into your Bibles to Acts chapter 18. Acts chapter 18, page 786 in your chair Bible 786 in your chair Bible. And as you do so, let me give you a little bit of a background on where we are. Um, this account found in, in Acts chapter 18 was, was recorded, uh, and it happened about AD 49, A.D. 49. And what we find here is that Paul was moving to uh, Corinth. And what he decided to do is he, he moved there, and he was going to talk to people in the synagogues like he usually did. And upon going there, he ran into a Jewish couple who were from Rome. They were living in Italy, and they were exiled from Rome, and they met Paul there. We don't know a whole lot about them, but we know that they teamed up with Paul. In fact, let's take a look at verse 1 through 4. After this, Paul left Athens and went to Corinth. There he met a Jew named Aquila, a native of Pontus, who had recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla, because Claudius had ordered all the Jews to leave Rome. Paul went to see them, and because he was a tent maker as they were, he stayed and worked with them. Every Sabbath he reasoned in the synagogue, trying to persuade the Jews and Greeks. Now at this time we don't know if, um, when uh, Priscilla and Aquila moved there, whether they were believers or not, or whether maybe they became believers after they went into um, business with Paul. So here they, this uh, Jewish couple was in the tent-making business. They established their business. They were kind of transient. They were new to the area. And Paul moves in with them. And what we do know is that Paul spent about 18 months with Priscilla and Aquila in the tent-making business. And most likely, he, if, if he didn't live in their home, he, was, he shared meals with them, spent a lot of time with Priscilla and Aquila. That much we do know. But Paul, you know, as you know, he was a missionary. So he didn't like to stay in one place. So Paul decided to move from Corinth to Athens. And as he did so, Priscilla and Aquila were willing to pick up their tents, roll up the business, and they probably didn't even establish much of a clientele there in Corinth. And they decided to go across the Aegean Sea. This wasn't a a short move. It wasn't a move across town. They were leaving everything once again, going across the Aegean Sea with Paul to a new city. In fact, we find that in verses 18 and 19. Paul stayed on in Corinth for some time. Then he left the brothers and sailed for Syria accompanied by Priscilla and Aquila. Before he sailed, he had his hair cut off at Centuria because of a vow he had taken. I wonder if they went to the same barber I did. Uh, They arrived in Ephesus where Paul left Priscilla and Aquila. He himself went into the synagogue and reasoned with the Jews. So once again we find Paul following his missionary calling and going to another area. And Priscilla and Aquila decided to go with him. <clears throat> now, if that wasn't enough, here they moved from Rome. They went, moved to Corinth. Now they moved to Ephesus. Totally, totally different area of the world. And they established themselves. They try to put down roots. They try to establish their business there. And in the meantime, they listen to Paul, and they encourage Paul. In fact, the other scriptures that we have about Priscilla and Aquila, we find that Gentiles met in their house wherever they went. But that's not enough. Then Paul decides to move on. And he asked Priscilla and Aquila to stay there in Ephesus. And what's interesting to know is even though Paul moved away, Priscilla and Aquila had another opportunity to show hospitality to another, another prominent leader. And his name was Apollos. And we'll see that in verses uh, 24 and following. "'Meanwhile, a Jew named Apollos, "'a native of Alexandria, came to Ephesus. "'He was a learned man "'with a thorough knowledge of the Scriptures. "'He had been instructed in the way of the Lord, "'and he spoke with great fervor "'and taught about Jesus accurately, "'though he knew only the baptism of John. "'He began to speak boldly in the synagogue. "'When Priscilla and Aquila heard him, "'they invited him to their home "'and explained to him the way of God more adequately. "'When Apollos wanted to go to Achaia,' The brothers encouraged him and wrote to the disciples there to welcome him. On arriving, he was a great help to those who by grace had believed. For he vigorously refuted the Jews in public debate, proving from the scriptures that Jesus was the Christ. Did you get that? Priscilla and Aquila were never teachers that we know of. They didn't stand on a platform. They didn't expound the word of God publicly that we're aware of. Priscilla and Aquila, because they practice hospitality, are a couple who go down in scripture as a couple who modeled hospitality, who changed lives and in turn changed their world. By showing hospitality, they changed lives, they impacted, they influenced, they used what little resources they have to influence and change lives. And in fact, God used them to change the world. Again, there's only six references to Priscilla and Aquila found in scriptures. We've just looked at three of them. So what can we learn about them from these passages? I think there's three things that we can learn. One is they took initiative. Priscilla and Aquila were the newbies. As we looked, they weren't in any one place for any long period of time. They may have rented a home and maybe they didn't own their own home. Maybe they worked out of out of, maybe they lived outside of their business. You know, Maybe they had their business and they, they had a little apartment, a little room where they worked out of, most likely. They didn't have a lot going on for them. They were the new guys. They were the transients. And oftentimes when we think about hospitality in terms of our culture, we think that we have to have a nice house, we have to have a beautiful home, we have to have everything just right so that we can entertain people. But that's not what Priscilla and Aquila did. They, they didn't entertain. They simply showed hospitality to strangers. And they opened up what little space they may have had to teachers, to leaders, and to ordinary folks like you and I. They opened their, their place up as a church. They were the newbies. So the neat thing about these guys is they took initiative. They didn't wait to say, well, I just moved in. Let's see who's going to come over and greet me. Where's the welcome wagon here in Ephesus? They didn't do that. They were the welcome wagon. They are the ones who took the initiative. Secondly, they did the best they could with what they had. They did the best they could with what they had. And again, we tend to think in our culture that we have to have the nice China, we have to have the nice place settings, we have to have a a really nice looking house, all those kinds of things, and we put pretension before people. And really what it is, is they made people feel comfortable. They made them feel at home. So they did the best they could with what they had. Um, Sometimes uh, you can show hospitality in different ways. In the military, it might be that you move from one unit to another unit and simply jumping into another guy's foxhole. And you pull out your MREs and say, want some? (laughs) That's showing hospitality. It might be a guy you don't know. It doesn't have to be a big, showy, pretentious thing. In fact, that's not what it is at all. Thirdly, they encouraged others and advanced the ministry of the gospel. They encouraged others, and in so doing, advanced the ministry of the gospel. We find, like I said in other passages, that they hosted churches in their homes. What a great way to serve other people. And again, they were ordinary folks like you and I. Again, they weren't up front speaking. They weren't teaching Uh, I don't know if they were on a worship team or were led worship. Maybe they had a a voice. I don't know. Maybe they played a musical instrument. I don't know. But what we do know is they, they did the best with what they had, and they encouraged, they used what they had to encourage other people and make them feel at home. They made other people feel at home. Many years after college, I found myself again in an unfamiliar place, and I found myself in the war-torn country of Bosnia. And I remember feeling like I was a, an occupation troop from World War II. Here it was in Europe, and things were blown up, and uh, there were uh, mortar shell holes in the sidewalks, and the old uh, um, Olympic village that was there for the Olympics prior was all blown up and torn to pieces, um, burned out buildings, uh, bullet holes and and all kinds of buildings, that kind of thing. And I can remember um, it was Christmas, and I was away from home once again. And some of you know what that experience is like. Now, I've got to tell you, my family would tell you, I'm not a big Christmas guy, okay? And I, I don't want to offend you who love Christmas, but I've been somewhat, well, somewhat of a Christmas Grinch. Okay, you know, because I've always thought Christmas is kind of overrated. It's it's a lot of hype, and so I've never been a big Christmas guy. Okay, but now I wasn't home for Christmas, and I remember I'd be walking back to the barracks from my workplace, through the streets, even through the streets of Sarajevo, of the old town Sarajevo, which is beautiful when it's not bombed out. And I remember there were no lights, there was no music, there was no singing. There's no holiday shopping. And as I wove my way through the dark streets of Sarajevo, I heard the Muslim call to prayer. In fact, this is the the mosque that was right outside my barracks window. And they would call to prayer five times a day. And and there were so many mosques in Sarajevo. You'd be walking along the street and turn a corner, and then you'd hear the call from another mosque. And I remember at this time just feeling kind of depressed, kind of down, uh, just because... There was nothing, and about this time, a couple from our old church in Minnesota called. Actually, they didn't get called. They, we had email at this time, and um, they emailed me and they said, "Bob, do you have an opportunity to take a, a you know three or four day weekend and come visit us in Brussels?" It was Kirby and Julie Spike. Kirby worked for 3M, and he was being assigned at, uh, to Brussels for three years by 3M. And I thought, well, let me see what I can work out. So I managed a military hop from, Ger- from uh, Bosnia into Germany. And then from Germany, I took the train to Brussels. And there, when I got to the Brussels train station, oh, I just had a great reunion. Hugs and kisses. And, it was just, and, and they had their kids there. And I missed my kids. Their kids were the same age as my kids. And it was just fun to hug the kids and play with them and tease them and joke with them. And I, I brought them some MREs. I mean, what else am I going to bring them, right? <laughs> I mean, they, they liked it. You know, what I can I tell? Taught them how to eat them, all those kinds of things. And it just had a wonderful, wonderful time being with familiar faces, sharing a familiar history and past. And on that Christmas, I had a wonderful time just eating American food. The food was great. And I got to enjoy it. And you know what? Kirby and Julie took me around the Brussels area. They lived right outside of Brussels, and I saw a Christmas tree. That's the Christmas tree I saw. It was down in the center of the city. I saw that. I saw people ice skating around the Christmas tree. I I went and I heard a choir in the community, a community choir on a town square, and they sang Christmas carols. It was awesome. And then I saw people shopping. I heard music. I saw the lights. And for me, as a guy a long way from home, it was a personal reminder that Jesus is the light of the world. When you come from a place of darkness into a place of light, you begin to see and appreciate that Jesus really is, not just for commercialism, but Jesus is the light of the world. And God used Kirby and Julie in that way, and it's something that we still talk about to this day. Like Priscilla and Aquila, Kirby and Julie took the initiative, used their scaled-down accommodations, and encouraged a soldier far from home. They practiced hospitality by inviting me to feel at home, at home in a new place. Have you ever been made to feel comfortable by someone? I think we've all been away from home. We've all been someplace far away. And isn't that wonderful when you feel at home, when you feel comfortable? And again, it's not showy. It's not pretentious. It's just comfortable. And so sometimes I wonder, what would it be like, what would it be like if we as individuals and as a church body practice this thing of hospitality, not entertaining, but of hospitality, what would it look like in our neighborhoods if we just simply went across the fence that we've been waving to our neighbor for years perhaps and went over and said, hey, let's get a cup of coffee together. Or maybe you're going to grill outside this weekend or in one of the weekends to come. Or maybe you're going to have a fire pit in your backyard. And you can have a party. Just make an excuse to have a party and invite your neighbors over and get to know them. That's taking initiative to show hospitality. What I found is that most people love it when you take the initiative, but few people will take the initiative themselves. And yet when you take the initiative, it's a great deal of joy, isn't it? It's a lot of fun. So what would it look like in our neighborhoods? Or you know, what about at our workplaces? Some of us have been in the same workplace for a number of years and the new guy comes in. You remember being the new guy coming into a place and you're trying to learn the ropes, trying to figure out, okay, who's in charge of what? Where do I get this? How do I copy that? How do I, you know, where do I find the the tools that I need? All those kinds of things. What would it be like if you took the initiative as one of the old people, one of the old guys or gals at the workplace and invited a person to walk around with you so you could show them around? What would it be like if you introduced them to some of the people that they need to know or some of the characters at work? That would help them feel at home. And What about you guys at school? Now, I realize the school year is coming to an end and there's probably not too many kids who are new to school, but do you remember being the new kid at school? Do you remember that? Do you remember walking into the lunchroom with your tray? And you're looking around and you're thinking, where am I going to sit? And us adults feel the same way, don't we? (laughs) It's not limited to the kids. And we walk into a room and we have our tray and we think, where shall I sit? Who's going to talk to me? Who's going to be nice to me? Who's not going to laugh at me? And for some of us at school, you can take initiative and you can show hospitality by inviting them to sit with you and introducing them to your friends. That's showing hospitality. It's taking the initiative to help people feel at home. Oh, there's one other thing. What would we be like as a church if we continued to extend mercy and compassion and showed hospitality to people who are new here at Door Creek? Now, I realize we're a big church, and we don't know everyone who's new, do we? And sometimes you come and you say, there's so many faces here of people I don't know. And that's okay. That's okay. But how would God use you and use this place if just each week you took the initiative, whether you've been here for many years or whether you've been here for a couple of weeks, and you took the initiative and said, hi, I'm Bob, I don't believe we've met. That's showing hospitality That's helping someone to feel at home and then introducing them to some of your friends here at church or inviting them to sit with you. I wonder what God might do. I am convinced that as we personally and corporately practice this character, this characteristic of hospitality, that God, like Priscilla and Aquila, will use our lives to change and encourage people's lives And that as he changes people's lives, he'll be able to change and influence the world through his love. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we want to thank you for this example from your word of uh, Priscilla and Aquila. Thank you for their initiative and commitment to hospitality. Thank you for how you used them, their lives, to encourage people to walk with you. Lord, they didn't have much... They were transient, and yet, um, Lord, they did the best with what they had. Lord, would you be pleased to use us, to use what we have and what we offer you to show hospitality to those that we know and those that we don't yet know who will become our friends as a result. And, Lord, we ask that the outcome would be changed lives and, as a result, the opportunity to change the world with your love. Use us in that process, we ask, in Jesus' name, amen.